Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Scott Pilgrim versus the podcast, a podcast where we take down Scott Pilgrim. And this episode, we're going to rip to shreds. Episode three of Scott Pilgrim takes off. Ramona rents a video. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And we're not. If we don't take him down, maybe we can just steal him. Hmm. Pete Portal Gun. I'm Pete. And as mentioned, we're going to be talking about episode three. So if you haven't seen it yet on Netflix, spoilers ahoy! Past this point. But brief bit of recap of the episode. Ramona thinks, nay, knows that Scott Pilgrim was not killed. He is alive, and we find out thanks to some video footage. In fact, he was taken through a portal, and some change was thrown out by a mysterious figure. So she is on the hunt trying to track down who kidnapped Scott Pilgrim. And this episode, that leads her to Kim Pine, who was over at No Account Video. She ends up fighting Roxy Richter and coming to some sort of closure with that relationship, which is very surprising and new. And meanwhile, also at the beginning of the episode, we get a cold open involving young Neil and his sleep paralysis demon writing a movie script for him. Uh, So lots of stuff going on here and lots of new stuff. Before we get into the plot, though, I wanted to do a quick check-in with Pete here, who last episode said he was just going to kind of let go of it, given that this seems to be new, and we know now by the third episode it's going in wild different directions that almost not have nothing to do with the books of the movie, but this is a fresh new story. Pete, were you able to let go enough to just enjoy this episode, or are you still, like Roxy Richter, holding on to the past? Well, Ooh, no, the Pete, I was the Pete heat check. Let's yeah, no, it. I was able. It was nice because when I after I let go, then we got the kind of fight that we got in the movie, which is Ramona versus Roxy. And uh, so, yeah, I feel like once you let go, you're rewarded with little gems a little bit. So I was able to kind of enjoy this more um, as as it wants to be than me trying to force it to be some of the other incarnations that I've loved. Mm. I'm like a finger scale. How many fingers are you still gripping the old Scott Pilgrim story with of 10 or however many you have, I guess you should say. I'm white knuckling it for uh, four knuckles. I would give it four knuckles. Yeah, four fingers still on the wheel for the yeah. old Scott Pilgrim. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing. I let, let my hands off. Jesus take the wheel from the jump and I'm loving it. I love this world. This world where we don't understand. We're getting remixed elements all around. I think we have our structure for the rest mm-hmm. of the season. Ramona's going to go and she's going to fight her exes, her evil exes, which is makes a lot more sense in some ways. Yes, mm. I that's what I was going to call out about really liking about this episode in particular is it almost felt like in retrospect, like we talked about first episode. Hey, this is what you think Scott Pilgrim is. Whoops, we're pulling the rug out from under you. Episode two is dealing with the fallout from that and what that means. And like you were saying, Justin, I think 
you know, she even uh, calls it out towards the end. Uh, I wrote down a line somewhere. Oh, don't tell me I'm going to have to do this with all seven of them after she comes to closure with Roxy. I was like, okay. So our show is Scott Pilgrim disappears so that Ramona he takes invest- off. He, he takes, takes off. off. He leaves for the title. And Ramona is going to investigate the mystery of what happened to Scott. She is now our main character. And in the process, she's going to get closure with her exes potentially, which we've never seen in the book before. And I love that. I think that's great. Such a smart one. I also there. love that. And it's not about it. The, we'll still get some fighting, but the real wins are emotionally understanding everyone's situation. And this episode has a, some nice sort of rhyming emotional experiences between uh, Ramona, Roxy, and Kim Pine and Scott. It's nice. Scott's still a part of the show. We're still getting the elements that Pete, you got four knuckles still holding on to. Uh, so that that must keep your knuckles the well, right Well, let me color. ask you guys something that I've been wondering and thinking about after watching this episode. Do you think it's a minion situation where there's a bunch of people with portal guns, or is it one person doing all the portal work, as in the one guy's a screenwriter and stole Scott Pilgrim? When you're saying a minion situation, you're talking like rise of the minions like the minions who work for Gru, or are you talking generally minions no i'm talking about like is there a bunch of people with portal guns running around out there creating havoc or is it one person with a portal gun who's a screenwriter and after scott and Pope? the reason i ask is because in the despicable b movies the minions who are these adorable yellow creatures who love danana bananas if you will they have portal guns as well so that that led to my confusion there but thank you for clarifying it was not in fact minions from the minion series which was spun off of despicable me leading into minions rise of Gru, the sequel uh but in fact just general minions you got so are we doing an oral history of the minions real quick here that yeah. never heard that He's word just out because i'm saying something out loud doesn't mean it's an oral history that's not the actual definition. it almost was it almost was and let me say pete if you weren't talking about the minions of that question, I don't know what you're talking about. You said minions, are there minions with a portal gun? I'm like, he's talking about the minions with the portal gun, because that's what they do. You were just using lowercase m minions and a portal gun as a random idea? What are you, some sort of Shrek? And to be clear, I'm talking about the general Shrek, not the character Shrek from the DreamWorks movies. Yeah, lowercase as Shrek, a Shrek. <laughs> like sometimes you're like, oh, my boss is being a real Shrek. You know what I mean? Yeah. My boss actually has a wife named Fiona, which is a weird coincidence. That oh. is weird. Yeah. She's Shrek? Uh, no. She, she's an ogre, though. She's an ogre. Uh, All right. I would like to talk about how adorable this episode is as, as far as, like, Ramona having the feels for Scott. Like, her, you know, being grilled and be like, how was the date? And her, like, admitting that it was a great date was really nice. There was a lot of, like, really kind of all moments in this episode. Well, again, like we were talking about with the last episode, I think this series is coming out as a bit of, a, without putting it down, like a bit of a rejoinder to the books and the movies and thinking about it all this time later and saying like, like we talked about when we are reading the books, Ramona sort of gets lost there. You don't really get in her head. You don't really know what she's feeling. She does feel like this accessory to Scott sometimes. And towards the end of the series, you get a little bit more of that. But she's kind of mostly just there. Here, they push the romance right off in that first episode so that you believe 
Ramona and Scott do have that sparks and do have that tie to each other. And to your point, Pete, I really think that comes out here again in this episode. They're just sort of doubling down on that idea of like, I think it's Julie says to her, you just went on one date. What are you doing? And she's like, I don't know. It was a really good date. And yeah. there you go. So I I agree. That's working for me as well. Well, and I think the the different the big difference here with this is it feels like they went back and looked at what they had made in the with the comic and the movie and they were like this all feels sort of unemotionally earned in a lot of it and just sort of like here's a format and we're going to play out the format almost like a video game and it feels like this is take going back and saying like let's tell a story that is rooted in emotions and we will see where that takes us and it just it, it i love that yeah, I agree with you. It it seems like they're taking care of their characters. People are getting more screen time. We're getting more stories. We're getting more uh, with all of the characters. I mean, opening with interior young Neil's apartment, I was like, what is happening? This show can go anywhere. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I true. was uh Yeah, it just seems like it, since this is the third version we're seeing of a, a story, like they're really kind of... Uh, uh, getting it right and being able to spend some more time but with the characters. But this isn't the third version of a story. This is an entirely new story. That but is... with characters we know and love. Sure. But what would you call that? Remix. Remix? Remake? Uh, no, I would just say... I think it's a remix because they're not remaking But the it is original thing. content, though. I mean, it's taking things in new, new yeah, directions. Well, well then that, that's what... They did a remix and they like are making a, a telling a story out of that. I, I think this is such a creative swing. It's such a I, I'm so surprised that however it worked where they developed this, got the money and that Netflix has made it. They're able to go so far from the original material. It's a risk. I think creatively it is paying off in huge dividends and all the worries we talked about with like, is it just going to be the books again? Why would they do that? They've just slowly they put their thumbs in our eyes, essentially. Yeah. For that like, yeah, yeah, we're not going to do that, you idiots. Dumbass. Of course, we're yeah. going to do would something. You, cool. Yeah, yeah. Why would you ever think that? Why and would you think we were going to do what we did in the comic then, and also in the movie? You know. Yeah. Well, but I think to your point that you were saying last episode, Pete, at the episode, well, last the episode four, but last episode, like that is what we wanted going yeah. into this like i would have been perfectly fine if this was just an anime version of scott pilgrim with a couple of things added into it because that does seem like the perfect melding of the books and the movies but to the point that you're making justin i i was obviously not a fly on the wall or anything but it does feel like they were like well we could do that but what else could we do and yeah. You know, the jury is out. I guess we'll see at the end of eight episodes if it actually works, if it actually comes together in some way, um, if it actually does really pay off. But like you're saying right now, it's a big creative swing. And even if it doesn't come together and even if it completely collapses by the last episode, I appreciate that. I like people trying things and taking big chances and things because you never get to do that. And as viewers, we never get to see that. Yeah. And honestly, these these first three episodes, I think, have been hugely successful just on their own merits. Like, it's awesome. So, like, I can't uh, if the rest of them are bad for some, somehow, I'm just happy. I, I just can't see that happening. They, yeah. They're on a great trajectory already. Well, like, I guess what I mean is something like 
I'm always a, almost a bigger fan of something that tries something and spectacularly crashes and burns and fails than mm. something that's just like, yeah, that was really good. You know, uh, the commensurate example is the Speed Racer movie for the Wachowskis, which is like, this is like watching a candy colored fever dream. But yeah. I love that they tried it and I loved watching it. And it's just so much fun, even though it doesn't quite come together. And here, though, like you're saying, I think this is really working. I'm very excited to see where this goes. I did want to touch briefly uh, to tie together a couple of the points we're making that it seems like the other thing that they're doing beyond diving into Ramona is diving into the exes who we don't get really anything too much about in the book or the movies. We do get some spotty things here and there, but for the most part, they're evil exes and that's it. And the most emotionally affecting scene in this episode for me is when we got to that flashback of Ramona leaving Roxy, which doesn't, damn either of them because that's not what relationships are about like the original concept is sort of hey your exes are evil period that's it here it seems like a much more mature take on it the idea that like when you get in a breakup you're like that person was wrong i was right they were wrong but really there's no right or wrong there's just two people with their feelings hurt and that's kind of how you move on from there so i love that i love that i mean sometimes there's sometimes there are people who are right right, right, right. well i've never made a mistake so (laughs) (laughs) when are you fighting your evil exes i don't know i keep hiding every time they come by so we'll see also video stores don't exist anymore so i'm pretty much in the oh yeah nice the scene of Roxy being left by Ramona, I thought, was really beautifully and heartbreakingly done. I was very it was impressed by that. Awesome, and where they okay. left, where they got with the characters was amazing and hilarious. Roxy was ended up being really a fun character that we, we want to spend more time with. Uh, yeah, it was. She was hysterical at the end. Just wanted to make out with somebody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hey, how about you in the yeah. corner? Well, we got a couple of, to the makeout point, I wanted to mention, we got a couple of riffs there. One of the most controversial scenes, I think it's one of the most controversial scenes of the comic, is when Kim and Knives make out at the party. Right. Yeah, remember that? Uh, and people are like, what? Why did you throw that in there? Here, getting Kim to have a scene with Knives, which I also thought this is an amazing path so for good. Knives. Yeah. For her to be like, oh, actually, she's really good at music, and we just didn't know that. What a come up. The fact that she just Scott. pick up a bass? Yeah, and like, oh my god. She's wearing she replaces jacket. Scott in the band. Yeah, uh, it's playing it's the perfect. bass. It's, uh, yeah. And it was very similar sparks when Kim and Knives were jamming to the Scott Ramona kiss. That's exactly what I was going to say, is I think they were riffing on the connection that Kim and Dives had in the comic with those sparks, with them playing together, which I thought was great. And then the Kim Roxy kiss was also riffing on that. So they're sort of breaking it up into two things that maybe make a little more sense. And it was also fun after the kiss, there was no magic. So they were like, oh, you know, we Mm -hmm. tried. Um, But the... Also, I really think that, you know, a lot of times in shows or in comics, when they're trying to portray the magic of kind of like playing music or music playing, I think they did a great job, like with the way that they kind of colored it and had them both. I was just really impressed and I felt 
very connected with what was happening. Uh, I think they did such a great job of communicating this feeling, this idea that uh, they were kind of playing together. The music across the board is great. Uh, I mean, yes, even beyond so that, which was a wonderful musical moment, I really love the memory music that sort of rewinds like it's going yeah, yeah. backward in time it's just i don't know there's something about it that's very cool to me so i really like that a lot all the and like i watch the opening credits every time they're mm -hmm. so good uh like every aspect of this is so good yeah um and i want to say on top of we've had a sort of a running conversation about um uh, mary elizabeth winstead as the voice of ramona and it's working for me here. Yes! Think, Come on! Really... Suck it, Zalbatrons! Two against one now! Bro. What's and up? Here, here's why. Well, here's why. Because I think the, the tenor of the story has changed. This is now a sort of a mystery. Grizzled and she, story. She's the main character, it feels like. It matches with this new tone. She's a little aloof. She's not aloof in the way she was in the previous iterations. She's aloof from all these, like lively young people and she's more like quiet contemplative and observant and really thinking about her emotions it matches and the Columbo reference that we've had two mentions of I think that's more of a match as well yeah because yes. she's kind of like making notes and she's like one more well just one more thing totally agree she is much more in line with being like an old detective than a cigar smoke young it's girl. all a cigar smoke Star yeah i was gonna say i wrote down she has this line where she says college doesn't seem that long ago but we were pretty immature weren't we and that was the only one that rang false because when she said that i was like college was like 60 years ago oh my god dude shut so up come on you know no way right Pete? i am Pete. a little worried that like i am a little worried that uh you know, if she dyes her hair this much, like every episode, you know what I mean? That's not good for your hair. <laughs> you think you the know? last episode is just going to have like just patches falling out. So just Scott reaching his hand across and be like, no more. That yeah, would down. be very funny. Put the paintbrush down. Yeah. It's a I Garnier like Fructis commercial from the 90s. I do like that recurring riff. That is cool. If they're gonna it do is. Every episode. It's very common. Mm -hmm. To the point where I was like, did I already watch this episode? Oh, no, I couldn't have seen this already because it was just matchy matt it was absolutely the same different colors until the color it's drops different until color, the color yeah. drops yeah. gideon gives the same in the middle of it too good stuff yeah uh, yeah you're right the, the cat work has been great throughout like Beautiful. the little cat stuff oh yeah gosh. just spreading it a little bit you know mm -hmm. yeah spread that beef love <laughs> what another what Pete oh i see i don't know what he was that's why I, I know what he was going to say, but I thought I we could know. just end it what with a puff fuck the fluff. You're looking at me like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you're the cat expert, I, Pete. I yeah, you're the what, cat guy. You're the one that says guy. those words that Alex wanted. <laughs> you always do that. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the fight scene, as we did. Oh. Uh, I think this is a good thing to check in on every episode. So we do get Roxy Richter versus Verona Flowers is the fight of the episode. Pete mentioned it was kind of like the one of the movie. I don't think it was like the one of the movie at all because if you remember no, that they was... fought sure they fought each other i know but this is mm. a totally different fight. yes i didn't say it was the same i'm just they i was put i wanted to more make this more like the movie and like the movie they fought each other yeah. that was my only yeah. point okay like that's the just movie, one of pete's little the fingers characters that are also yeah, one of my knuckles <laughs> It's still One holding of his little on. Knuckles clinging onto that idea, like yeah. the characters are named the same in the movie, and that's enough for me. And that's enough for me. Uh, 
Well, you know what it was? It was like, it was a little bit, there's some elements of the video game. Um, Alex, you maybe haven't gotten to that level yet. Uh, But um, the Roxy fight, the Roxy fight occurs on the top of a train uh, for a portion of it. Mm. Um, So there is a little bit of like mixing all of their touch points here. But Great I, use I like of this. a video store. Really awesome the way they mm-hmm. were fighting through different kind of movie backdrops and action sequences and stuff like that. Really hilarious and fantastic and so well done. I love the moment when she reached in the purse for the giant hammer. That was just awesome. That, that was that, great. I loved so Kim cool. rewinding the video and yeah. Roxy getting stuck in that. Very fun moment. Very and Pete destroys the remote. What did you think about that final fight on the plane that seemed like straight out of Porco Rosso or something like that? Yeah, right? It really mm-hmm. did. For a second, I was like, Miyazaki? What? <laughs> Look at Alex has given Pete a piece of bacon that he likes. <laughs> oh, it really was, though. Like, I think they did a really good job of aping these different yes. styles throughout the fight. Yes. And it was very, very fun throughout. Um, and also, I loved how it ended i thought was really beautiful that after ramona apologizes to roxy roxy says apology accepted but i'm going to win this fight they -hmm. fall out of the plane and ultimately even though it's in a different direction ramona is the one who's below and falling roxy is above ramona still catches her and holds on to her as they're falling which i thought was really just a beautiful visual metaphor it really was And what i like what i like about it again on my emotional tear like it sort of honors that when you're in a relationship with someone, you love them maybe, or you at least care about them. And you felt that that moment there. And like, yeah. that's, they didn't do that at all. In any of the old, any, in the in the movie and books, it was always just like, oh, God, I dated this. St- yeah, stupid. every time it was, it was like, like, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. And it, it weakens sort of all of it. So like this that's- is strengthening it in a, in a way. Like not, that's not shit talking anything that came before because that was about the format and the idea and the video game and comic book meld. This is like, we've seen that now, both in Scott Pilgrim and outside of it. So now it's doing something else because they had to and they crush it yeah. with that moment. A bunch of other things we should probably talk about that happened in the episode. For the moment, why don't we jump to the end here? Because we get to see uh, Gideon Graves comes back to Toronto, approaches Julie. Turns out his name is actually Gordon Goose from North Bay, Ontario. And uh, he uh, goes into the house with Julie. They are teaming up. What do you... What do you think about these revelations about Gideon Graves and Julie and everything? Well, first, uh, back up the truck. As soon as she showed up and was swearing, just added so much fun to the episode. Like the, I want to take a 15-minute break. Yuri fucking took a 15-minute break. Just great fun that they're doing having with Julie. Um, and You uh, like the angry character. Yeah. Yeah. Pete also likes Aubrey Plaza. Sure. I mean, what an amazing actress. You love Aubrey Plaza? Oh, my God. Would you stop? Look so at this I, little I, treat, little exposure here. A little bit of Parks and Romance creation. Romance oh creation. I don't know. Uh, yeah. That's got know. really weird really fast. Parks and procreation. Just trying to compliment somebody. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just think that uh, it's just so much fun up until that moment. And interesting that we have these two characters getting together. Um, yes, I, it definitely it was a surprise. Oh, you wait, the character you're talking about were Pete LePage and Aubrey Plaza. No, like, I was talking about Gideon Graves. And, oh, yeah. Uh, well, there is sparks to the point to the theme of the show that's playing in here. When Julie welcomes Gordon Goose into the house, when she sees him taking off his classics and everything, there's sparks. 
And, and I think she also calls it the bad with no fear or something like that. Referring back yeah, to which I'm no like, fear. sure. Let's hear that. Yeah, I don't know how she knows that, but I guess everyone sort of knows everything all the time in this show in a fun way. Uh, the exploration of all of the non-main characters, uh, I don't want to call them side characters because I don't think that's what they are in this show. Yeah, there's no Very fun, parts, very but... ensemble cast. And I was struck um, by both a lot of the scenes we're getting here, the young Neil stuff at the beginning that doesn't play at all in this rest of the episode, but is speaking to an overall story. I We talked about how the pacing of this reminded me of classic 90s, 80s and 90s anime. It also reminds me of Canadian teen dramas okay. uh, in the way that they're just sort of that that also has the sort of like the transitions the very like sort of like it everything lasts a little longer than you expect like the movie was all about ramping up the pace cutting fast mm-hmm. you know video game style transitions between stuff this we linger so long on stuff through a lot of time like by long i mean like an extra half a second that any show live action or animated wouldn't take that time and so it reminds me of canadian teen dramas from the past uh and in a way that makes sense from a reference point from um, some of our creatives i'm glad you're taking a nostalgia bath this is nice yeah we all are pete can we talk about the young neil thing at the beginning what's your best theory here actually before we even get into that i did want to ask you guys have you ever had a sleep paralysis demon I've never had one write a feature <laughs> script for me, and I'm here for that. I'll sleep. Uh, be you sleep say paralyzed. it like that's a thing, a common thing you ask somebody. I've never heard of people this before. Oh, that's a is it? I've had thing. one. Is the yeah. reason that I asked. Oh wow! Okay. I have well, not, but I'm. You I should wanna... open with that. Only... I have a story about a sleep paralysis. Well, it's demon. not really a Do great story, but it is a thing that happens to people. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. It was uh, actually where we're taping down here. I was like. I think it was actually what I had. Wait, COVID, it happened so in the room that you're in right now. It was at the room. The, demon the call the room. is coming from within the house. <laughs> <laughs> that now that's haunted. That's uh, fucking haunted right there. For those right. listening, Alex, at that exact moment, a bunch listening. of balloons appeared on his screen. That Zoom created. He's for not talking to people not listening Absolutely right now. Terrifying. For those listening. Uh, anyway, yes, I was in this room. I was asleep. I think it was like when I was isolating for COVID or something like that. So I was already kind of mm. feverish and weird. And in mm. the middle of the night, I thought <laughs> this is totally ridiculous to my sleep paralysis, Stephen. I thought my son was crawling on the edge of the couch towards me. And I legitimately like my eyes were open. I couldn't move. And I was like, did you kick your son? I couldn't move. Like that's the thing it wasn't about it. His is son. It was <laughs> not my son. I was I also you'd be like, get away from me. Demon. I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's something like you're still in dream state and your body wakes yeah. you up. So when you're in dream state, it's basically your body is telling you like, don't move. You're still asleep, but you're kind of awake at the same time. So Whoa. it was terrifying. Even yeah. though there's no reason I should be terrified of, but it was sort of like him crawling like a little goblin on the edge of the couch oh and then God. scratching at my head. And I could just feel my heart beating and feel it happening. And then I fell asleep after that. And then I woke up um, okay. hours later. And I was like, huh? Wait, uh, tell me honestly. Scary. The next time you saw your son, were you a little weirded out by him? Mad. Did you You're like, mad at him. All I like, can say is he's not here anymore. Oh, <laughs> wow. God. No, when I woke up, I told him. And I was like, this is the craziest thing that happened. And you like, told him? 
you, that yeah. you think you're like, hey, you're, in my dreams, I think you're a demon. <laughs> you're opening the door for him to come and do that as a sick prank. Yeah, kid. Like, I mean, the... it kind of does. So as soon as he gets a phone, I'm going to text him to do. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Justin says, "Be Papa's sleep paralysis." Hey, uh, so yeah, here's fifty thing. bucks. Go down to Alex's <laughs> couch. Here's, let me Venmo you fifty bucks. Scare the shit out of him. So yeah, uh, so that's the, a real thing. What were you going to say, Justin? Well, so there's a mystery here. Yes. It makes a lot of sense with the revelations we get in this episode that whoever poured it into young Neil's room and wrote a screenplay, which will probably be a clue later, is also the person who took Scott. Right? What do you think? Uh, That's what I'm hoping. Otherwise, it's going to be a minion situation. Stop. Very <laughs> unlikely a minion situation. Here's he the thing. Didn't you didn't want to die at any point. What are you talking about? It can't possibly be a minion situation. Oh, Pete, you're going to wake up tonight or half wake up. You can't move your body and you're going to have like 15 minions just like oh, running around on your bed sheets. Because uh, you said the I've names too many times. I've, yeah, I've never had a sleep paralysis demon. So I'm really. You've had a sleep paralysis minion. And that's coming for you. <laughs> it's. Really different uh, SPM. So, like, let's look at who. The, like, I think I have two ideas for who this is. It's uh, Scott Pilgrim himself, who's just like what? It matches the title a little bit. Scott Pilgrim takes off. Like, he's like, I needed a break. He and he's like writing Young Neil's script. Young Neil, I think he's always seen as like a uh, sort of his next in line. Maybe there's something there. Could be him. That's sort of a more out there theory, but a character who looms a bit large in the comic, but is not seen in the movie, who we have have not yet seen that we're getting close to her origin from the comic book, Lisa Miller. Ooh, that would be a wild twist. If you remember Lisa Miller, she's the girl that Scott dated right after Kim Pine, uh, I believe, in when they were young, and then she goes become and becomes a Canadian tv actor comes oh back. right yeah scott like sort is about to hook up with her but chooses not to because he wants to be with ramona mm-hmm. the idea that we've that and ramona the is he re- goes back yeah he yeah. goes back to ramona but yeah. ends up staying at, on her couch for a while yeah after he and ramona have a bit of a split but you know if ramona's resolving all of her exes and scott gets kidnapped by his ex i don't know there's some nice energy there i think i'm i'm hoping it's like gideon Hmm. Well, that would, well, that's again, that's another finger on the old the way of thinking right there. <laughs> well, let me throw out another mystery to you. We see Robot 01 is spying on them in the video store. Um, I will mention, I didn't mention this in the first episode, but in the first episode, Robot 01 is actually in the crowd at the Sex bob concert. He's sort of like yeah. there in the background, so you can check him out there. So what do you think is going on with that, other than him being a garbage can? Well, if we've all seen Street Fighter 2, the animated movie, we all know that robots work as kind of like uh, moving cameras for the evil overlord. Um, so, yeah, I think it's uh, if it's going to be like a Gideon type situation that, yeah, the robots work for him. Robot 01 famously doesn't work for Gideon. He works for the twins. They built Oh, him we haven't he... really spent any twins time. We saw them, but, oh, could be I the would twins. Be su- I'd Working be surprised if guns. I'd be surprised if they were like the big bads here because that feels random. But uh, there, I, that may be the evil exes sort of conspiring another fold for them. 
Yeah. We'll have to see a couple of other things to throw out there, just lines and stuff. I loved young Neil's line. Uh, what if he's realizing, what if I could die? And just when I found out I'm a cinephile, I thought that was a very fun line. Oh, very yeah. fun. Um, also, oh, I, this was just a good line. I thought when, uh, Knives is like, what if I can't play? And Kim says, it's up to you. That's why they call it play. Playing. Yeah. I was like, that's great. That's a good line as well. Um, uh, well, in that scene, uh, my emotions rage mostly. Pete, thought of you, Kim Pine. Oh, yeah, that was a great line. But I also really liked the choice they made with how Knives played. Like, it seemed like simple enough mm-hmm. that somebody who's never really played could kind of. Uh, so, But it was also impressive enough where it's like, oh, my God, this person has so much talent and possibility. Uh, I also liked the running bit of the 15 minute break that we saw a couple of times. Mm-hmm. You know, the mom did it later in the store after the uh, we saw it in the coffee shop. So I was happy about that. The mom? Wasn't it uh, Kim's mom who ran the store? No, it's Holly. She's oh. just a, a regular person. Just another okay. person. Yeah, you probably thought story. she had a, like a really old voice, like a real old lady <laughs> voice. Is that what you're saying, Pete? No, I just assumed who wouldn't care if they were late. You know what I mean? Like someone who's like related. Because oh, if you're waiting on someone to come in, I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. When you go into a store, there's usually the person who works there and then their mom or dad is the person. Who's yeah, like, usually their mom or dad's like, yo, where the well, fuck you been? <laughs> Pete only shops at mom and pop shops. <laughs> That's right. He, he, he's else, a, yeah. I did small, love, uh, and I think this was like one of my, not requests, but one of the things that I was hoping for when we got into the show, we got to see the flashback of Kim and Scott getting together, which yes. I was, I was just very excited about that because I loved, I, that's a, a request I had when we were talking about the movie, like the fight, seeing the fight between um, him and Simon Lee and establishing him as a great fighter, I think is essential. And I, I thought that scene between them was very cute and really worked well as a comparison between Ramona and Roxy later on. Yeah. And last line I wanted to call out is Gideon's line. It's such a stupid joke, but oh, I, love saying, this joke. I couldn't even get a reservation at McDonald's. They laughed at me when I called. Oops, not the one. Great. And I would, I would throw on that the line before that my billionaire friends have shunned me. Even my, my millionaire, millionaire friends, friends have turned friends, their backs. Yeah. So that's fun. Back to back jokes. <laughs> Rarely do you see like, like, Big reveal drama moment, and then like joke, like sort of long wordy joke, and yeah, then it was like joke, a joke, se- joke, an entirely joke. Yeah. separate <laughs> long wordy thinker of a joke about getting a reservation at McDonald's. Shouts to them, all good. That was great. And last thing that I wanted to mention is weirdly, Teen Scott Pilgrim was played by Finn Wolfhard. Yeah, uh, which is surprising. I don't know why you needed to do that, but good for good for Finn Only Wolfhard. Like, how many lines? Huh. Like two lines? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but there you go. Anything else you guys wanted to call out from the episode, Justin? Uh, just two quick things. Uh, the line she's putting uh, Kim out of business. Ramona was putting Kim oh, out of yeah, business. Funny yeah. uh, Netflix video stores. Real uh, twist in the knife. And then the uh, I love the moment where they're laying on the ground in the rain. Mm-hmm. The sprinkler system. That the way they do did rain for that. I thought was very cool. And then uh, just a very small reference when Roxy leaves. She sings the Udalali song from uh, Disney's Robin Hood, a movie that is very close to my heart. I don't know why she did that, but <laughs> I love that she did. Yeah. yeah. I was, I'm glad you knew what that was because I was definitely like, I, I have heard this tune before and I can't place it. So that's pretty great. 
Uh, cool. Well, unfortunately for us, I think Scott Pilgrim won once again, but we're going to have other chances to take down this show, I think. Yeah. We've got, we've got uh, uh, five, more? five more at this point. Yeah. Or wait. Yeah, right? Is yeah, it? five more. Oh, man, having a blast with the show, so I'm happy with where it's at. We're not fighting about how good the show is, so that's nice. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll if you'd see, like to support the show fight. at all the shows we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Scott Pilgrim, Apple, Spotify, Android, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at comic book live on Twitter slash X. Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And next time, Scott Pilgrim, you're going down. We'll get you, Scott Pilgrim. And anyway, Pete, finish your story about cats. You're going to tell us the cat stuff that you're supposed to say. Yeah, yeah the cats right. are nice. You know, just sprinkle some cats in every once in a while. Yeah, sprinkle some cats in. Sprinkle some cats in. <laughs>